Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. I'd like to start today by thanking Etitude for sponsoring our August podcasts. We are always pleased when we can recommend to you a company that we personally and enthusiastically believe in. Based in Australia and shipping worldwide, Etitude is a socially responsible company that truly is revolutionizing the way bed linen is being made. Their bamboo lyocell sheets and duvet covers are not only as soft as a thousand count Egyptian cotton, but they are made with a technology that is far more sustainable and environmentally friendly than that used with traditional bed linen. We all deserve a good and refreshing night's sleep, and I can guarantee that Etitude can help you get that well-earned rest. Visit them online today at Etitude.com. That's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com. Try out their silky soft bedding for a hundred days, risk-free. And get 10% off your purchase by using the coupon code INSPIRATION. Now let's move on to today's reading, which has been edited and adapted from Our Sunday Talks by James J. Owen, published in 1883. Life has many puzzling problems, many that stagger reason and leave the mind lost in a labyrinth of doubt. We cannot tell why it is that wrong is permitted to exist in the world, that the innocent should suffer for the wickedness of others, that nature and her operations should seemingly be so inharmonious and make so many blunders especially if we are to believe in an all-wise and infinitely just ruler at the helm of the universe. We cannot understand these things. No one can. The least we can do is to wait patiently until we can obtain a clearer view of life. Sometime and somewhere, we doubt not that we shall be able to take in at a glance the whole long journey of life, from the cradle to the grave, And then we shall see, in that clearer light, that what seemed to us wrong here was so only in seeming, and that at last, and in the eternal purposes of the infinite, all is for the best. We cannot judge of the year by a single day, nor of a human life by a single experience. We must see the first in its completeness and live the other through all of its experiences to judge correctly of either one. Therefore, when we feel it in our hearts to complain or rebel at our lot in life, at the hard conditions to which we are sometimes subject, would it not be well to wait a little while before we sum up the case and conclude that the world is out of joint? Know thyself is one of the oldest maxims of humankind. It is a piece of advice, however, that very few of us ever profit by. Most people have only a sort of speaking acquaintance with themselves, as though they live next door or across the street. They never come into full and loving sympathy with their own natures, 
and hence never realize what treasures of sweet and beautiful companionship they deprive themselves. To know oneself thoroughly requires much more patient research and study than most people would imagine. But no knowledge is filled with such rich rewards, such perfect treasures of wisdom and happiness. First come the delights of that physical knowledge which makes us familiar with the hidden springs and secrets of life, with the quality and functions of every nerve, organ, and muscle with all the wonderful mechanism and movements of the bodily house we live in. But this knowledge is only a stepping stone to those higher joys that come from an intimate relationship with, and a keen insight into, the character of that mysterious occupant of our earthly temple, the living soul. Here is indeed a vast field for research, a mighty storehouse of treasure or trash, and sometimes both. To add to the former and to cast out and displace as much of the useless and worthless as possible should be everyone's life's work. Yet the chief aim of life for many people seems to be to devise ways and means for getting away from themselves. They are miserable when alone, and are only reasonably contented when entertained and amused by someone else. Such people may be very kind-hearted and very good in their own particular way, but they are often like vampires to their friends, absorbing their lives and giving nothing in return. A well-stocked brain never tires of its own company. It finds food for thought in a thousand things, whereof the superficial mind would take no note. The worn pebble by the roadside leads it back to the time when the foundation of the hills were laid. The down on a butterfly's wing opens up to it a wonderland of beauty and admiration. It looks out into the starry spaces and deep into its own infinite capacity for growth and enjoyment and it can find no time nor place in all the universe for loneliness. We should feel sorry for the man and woman who has never made acquaintance with themselves, who find no solid enjoyment in the fellowship and communion of their own souls. They are travelers who have missed their way, miners who never delve beneath the outcropping of things and know not of the priceless wealth stored in the solid vein below. In the great battle of life, the person who succeeds best is the one who relies most upon themselves. We must be on the most intimate terms with ourselves, must know well the scope of our powers, the strength and length of our strongest arm, or the blow we aim at a foe may fall short of the mark, or at best prove impotent for good. It is a good thing for the world that we do not all think or act alike, and that we all do not possess the same amount of intelligence, wealth, or ability to wrestle with the problems of life. We are too apt to look upon our lives as the beginning and end of existence. We desire completeness from life, 
rather than viewing it as a schooling ground necessary for proper soul growth, as a means to higher uses and ends, to be employed and enjoyed in the hereafter. If all were good, there would be no opportunity to fight against evil. If all were rich, well-fed, and contented, there would be no opportunity for exercise of charity, no one to do the work of the world, nothing to stimulate effort and enterprise. If there were no sickness, suffering, nor sorrow in the world, there would be nothing to call forth the tender sympathies of humanity. In fact, if there were no storms or tempests of the soul, we should never know how to appreciate the restful calm, sunshine, and joy that comes with gentle peace. Therefore, while the philanthropist, activist, and philosopher are constantly studying methods for helping others and advancing humanity, the necessity of such work is as essential for the doer as it is to those who are helped. Sickness and health, plenty and poverty, storm and sunshine, crime, cruelty, insanity, and wrong, life, growth, death, and decay, all are important factors in the development of character and the true growth of the soul. Those who fail to profit by these lessons waste the golden opportunities of their days. They are a laggard and truant in the primary school of life, an encumberer of the ground where seeds are cast. To view life as a training school helps reconcile us to an endurance of life's ills. It teaches us to take things as we find them and make the best of them, to stop quarreling with our surroundings and mourning over what cannot be helped, but rather to set ourselves diligently at work to improving the conditions and circumstances in which we are involved. If there are brambles and rocks in our path, Instead of sitting down placidly and deploring the fact, we should realize the necessity for greater personal efforts in making the way smoother for those who may follow. Then with ready heart and hand we should lend ourselves to the work. Life will in turn become sweeter from a duty well performed, and we shall mount heavenward as we grow into the image of our better selves. While self-reliance is a key to success in life, there is no one strong enough to brave the contest alone. We all need sympathy and help or sure disaster and defeat will overtake us. Those who think themselves strongest when their lifeboat rides cheerfully along the breeze, with sails filled with the winds of prosperity, are often the weakest of the weak when the storm and the tempest come. In the hour of sorest trial, many who are humble and mild become strong and brave to endure, while those of boastful strength often succumb, drifting helpless and discouraged before the gale of adversity. Life is sweetened and made beautiful by sympathy. Its asperities are toned down, and its rough places made smooth by the touch of a gentle hand and the tone of a loving voice. Even life's severest trials may be endured, and its heaviest burdens borne, 
when aided by a little thoughtful and precious help of this kind. And yet suffering will and must continue to exist, for suffering seems to be the common lot of all keen natures. The finer and more delicately strung the instrument, the greater the liability to get out of tune, and when out of tune the harsher the discords. On the other hand, some people are so evenly organized in their nature that scarcely any amount of trouble worries them. Their lives flow on smoothly and serenely, but never deeply. As they are incapable of great sorrow, so also are they dull to the rapture of great joy. It is only the most intense natures that live most, that get out of life its grandest, if not best, results, its highest happiness often mixed with its keenest agonies. In order to fully and truly appreciate heaven, it is necessary to know what hell is made of. All genius, whether in art, science, or letters, belongs to this intense class. In the laboratory, forum, or pulpit, in poetry, painting, sculpture, or song, in all those who demonstrate higher ways of mind and vision, though they often are erratic and sometimes weak in certain elements of character, they nevertheless constitute the lightning strikers of the world. They are the men and women who mold public tastes and shape the plastic thought of humanity into beautiful shapes. They often lead where they do not walk and point out shining ways for other feet to tread. But they are none the less great in those attributes of soul and character that make them the heroes, instructors, and saviors of the race. Such natures are but little understood by the great multitude, and they never can be fully understood in this life, but perhaps they will be better known and appreciated in the beyond, when the masks and rubbish of earth shall be left behind, and the pure gem of soul shall find a better setting. The materialist may balk at this kind of talk, for they view the physical world as the all-in-all all of the universe. They see reality only in those coarser forms of matter that appeal to the physical senses. In fact, they deny the existence of any and everything that their senses cannot grasp, forgetting that there may be keener senses than those of their own organism. We use the term coarser forms of matter because to the undeveloped mind, those are the only forms that make an impact upon the senses. But science is constantly unfolding new and imponderable forms of which the senses take no note. Traversing the field of matter, it enters a new and unexplored domain which seemingly lies outside the boundaries of matter. And here, in a maze of subtle forces and forms, the unfolded mind is lost in wonder and reverence. We should therefore be modest in our denial or rejection of what we do not know to be true. 
Comparatively speaking, there is very little that we can know of anything save the simplest rudiments. Whoever dogmatically asserts that a thing is not so, because they do not know it to be so, simply advertises their ignorance to the world, and that goes for scientists as well as religious preachers. The best and clearest thinkers are never dogmatic. They realize that it is better to walk and stumble than not to walk at all. When the mind is awakened to the consciousness of the fact that this life is not the all of existence, that it is merely a primary school to a higher grade beyond, this conclusion reached not as a matter of faith, which is often unreasoning and blind, but of absolute knowledge. Life then takes on a new meaning, beauty and grandeur, of which the cold materialist never dreamed. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. For free transcripts, please go to livinghour.org. Today's podcast was brought to you by Etitude, makers of fine organic bedding and accessories. Get 10% off your purchase with the special coupon code INSPIRATION. Visit them online now at etitude.com. That's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.